Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a podcast from a Kiwi chick, chocker with roleplay gaming chat and world lore of the most fantasy place ever, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Chur. Kia ora, morena, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. How are you all? Well, I am very good. It's still Kiwi RPG week here in uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, and I'm having an absolute blast seeing amazing creators and creatives be just so supported by not just Aotearoa and the people that live here, but all over the world. So if you have liked or shared or um, talked about or purchased something um, as part of um, or watched uh, or listened to um, something as part of Kiwi RPG Week. Give yourself a massive big pat on the back and, and feel a big old thanks from me. Um, I really appreciate you. Um, this has been an amazing time. And if you're brand new to Jules from NZ and you've come here because um, we talk about My Little Ponies here, uh, we do. That is correct. Uh, What you will hear coming up um, a bit later on the episode, not too long, is uh, a game, a continuing game, like a -a pick-a-path quest of uh, the roleplay system, Tales of Equestria, uh, where we're playing through the game A Dragon's Bounty. We're about maybe a third or halfway depending on how people play it um through the adventure so um if you want to start from the start head back to the episode called play ponies with me and you'll find the first uh segment of that on there but what i thought we would do um first today i have so many call-ins i need to get to but we're not going to do that today um mainly because i've already recorded the my little pony segment and it is a long one so we i don't want this episode to go on and on and on um so what i thought we would do is also because um you know it is kiwi rpg week and and um i know that some people might listen to this who haven't really met me before, I thought I would do a fun introduction thing. So I found ages ago um, a thing that was circulating on the internet called the D&D tag, and it's just a bunch of questions. Um, I think it's like 15 questions or something like that um, that asks you about various things about D&D and I thought uh, I would go through these questions and answer them and um, that could be a way of meeting me and and learning some things about how I came to be in the RPG playing thing although it's just mainly about playing um not really about podcasting or streaming or anything like that. So that's a whole different scenario. And we'll talk about that like maybe later. Okay. So anyway, the D&D tag, um, if you Google search this, you can find it and do it yourself. And I would love to hear your answers um, too. So first question is, what was your first D&D character? And the true answer here is, I don't remember. And the main reason for that is because I didn't make it. So... Um, when I very first started playing, uh, I was playing with a bunch of other kids and, um, they made characters and they had a game and I just kind of like really wanted in and busted in and they just sort of gave me a character sheet. Um, 
and help me figure out what the things on the character sheet did. So I wasn't really invested in the character at all. Um, but I did learn that I loved the game and uh, I'm forever grateful because of that. So yeah. Uh, question number two, which D and D class is your least favorite to play or you do not want to play? Okay. So controversial question, but, um, I don't really enjoy playing barbarian. Uh, I feel like in combat, it's a bit too linear for me. And that whole power being linked to rage isn't a concept I enjoy role-playing. I like to have heaps of options available and not be dictated about what my emotions are while I'm playing things. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to play and I never would play, but it's the character I, I enjoy playing the least, I guess. Yeah. What D&D spell would you most want to have in real life? Teleport easy done teleport because then I could see all of my friends overseas to play in-person games I could take friends with me from overseas to here or from here to overseas you know to to play games together and 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 attend cons and do all the amazing things um I would never be late anywhere ever again because I could just you know teleport there I mean, who am I kidding? I'd still probably be late. Oh, the teleport magic was just really slow today. There was like a time delay. I'm not really sure what happened there. <laughs> I just get to like get to take longer getting ready in the morning. I feel like I would always still be late. Uh, ugh, I'm the worst. Anyway, okay. What's your favorite D&D monster? Well, that changes all the time, really. Um, Depending on what I'm playing, depending on what I'm writing, depending on what I'm feeling. I did run a Beholder again recently in his lair and fell in love with him all over again. I had an absolute blast, like, randomly rolling ice stalks. I think they're really fun because of that. As a DM, you can't really plan for the action because even you don't really know what's going to happen. So I guess that's probably my favorite right now. What's your favorite NPC or villain you've ever encountered or created? Okay, well, that would have to be Jim and Jareth. Um, I met Jim as a player. Uh, Jim is a gem that is on a sword. Well, was on a sword, but is actually a god heart. Uh, and is the way that we ended up talking to the god Hated, who's like the god of knowledge, you know. Um, the sword was actually abandoned in Jareth Benir the Necromancer's zombie trap, probably because uh, Jim was so annoying, and he was. Um, Jareth himself was not actually seen as part of this adventure like the the dm kind of mentioned him as like a side a reason for it happening but he never actually created um jareth so when i needed a necromancer for an adventure i was creating in the world of aizen well of course it was going to be jareth i decided to show the two of them together and paint the story of perhaps why jim was abandoned like you know, set him up to be a little bit annoying to Jareth and, and show Jareth is getting frustrated with him and that's why you would abandon a sort of knowledge, you know, because why else would you do that, you know? And that was the beginning of Hallowed Festival of Frights one shot um, that I wrote and those two inspired me so much and made has made so many players laugh as they've gone through that adventure that I went on to write more adventures telling other stories around Aizen and I really have Jim and Jareth and how much fun they were to create and play um, to thank. Um, has one of your characters ever died and what killed them? Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I've had a few die. Um, 
bad DMs is the reason that most of them are dead. And I, I say that uh, with hesitation because I know, like, you know, using the words bad DMs, it's kind of a, 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 a ooh, it's, it's gross. It's gross to say. Um, but I feel like I can categorically say them in this case is because they didn't like me at the table. Um, some because we'd recently broken up and while they said it was still cool to play, I don't think they actually meant it. And one because I called out his sexism and he killed my character at the table. So yeah, they are bad demons. Um, I've only had one die in the process of any TTRPG game and had to rebuild, you know, a character to, to join. Um, and it was pretty devastating. Uh, it was, uh, poor, um, Hadira was taken down by poison wasps in a Pathfinder game. Pathfinder is brutal. I know it's technically not D&D, but like close enough. We're talking RPG, right? So, um, yeah. And then my character, Marley actually died, um, and was completely taken out, uh, failed death saving throws and everything. But she was uh, brought back to life, like, pretty much instantly as soon as that happened because her party were like, what the hell? Um, But, and I cried and cried and cried and cried. And it was a podcast recording and um, you can hear me do that (laughs) because it was absolutely devastating. Um, Yeah, yeah, yep, losing characters is hard. Um, I don't like doing it, but it happens sometimes. Nature of the game, nature of the dice. Speaking of dice, what's your best natural 20 story? You know, it's weird. Nothing really comes to mind. I always think I'll remember the 20s forever, but they fade in the memory of the fun, you know. I do remember the natural 20s of one of my players that came in clutch. It was a recent one that they took a crit on the hit and double damage absolutely took the dragon wormling down and like getting to celebrate with the players and just that moment of like huge celebration you hope you take them away to remember you know unlike me (laughs) oh terrible what's your best natural one story yeah the ones I remember my favorite about the ones in the fate of eisen podcast is that we have all been chaos cursed so every time we roll a one something chaotic happens in response to that i have been a pig I've been a puddle, I've been a tree, but my favorite one was the time I tried to charm a queen in a private box overlooking a sports arena, and I was like, you know, trying to wave to her and, and you know, um, basically trying to, trying to get in her good books, and um, I rolled a one, and I found myself thinking that I was falling, uh, that was the chaos, so I was like, ah, in response to that, I tried to cast Thunderwave to push me away from the ground to slow my fall, because I don't have feather fall, and I thought Thunderwave would be like the next best thing. Yeah, Thunderwave. So I'm not falling, I just stand there and I cast Thunderwave. <laughs> As you can imagine, the whole thing did not go well. Um, it was hilarious, but not great. Uh, yeah. What's the highest level you've ever played a character to? Well, Marley actually ended up on 20th level and survived. So that's the first time I've ever played a character right through from one. Although we cheated a little and we leveled through two levels at the wrap of the story twice, I think. Because um, our DM had promised us that we would be at 20th level by the finale and we were running out of time to get to the finale. So he was like, here, have this 
story in story reason as to why your character just pushes through two levels basically um yeah i have played a few 20th level one-off games but i don't think that counts because like i've created the characters for that every time so i haven't played them before that yeah yeah i think that's the highest otherwise maybe like 10th level yeah probably yep um what's your favorite magic item standard bag of holding yep my handbag is often mocked for being so large and carrying so much stuff but like when someone needs sunscreen when they feel like they're starting to burn well they laugh less when i pull it out but um homebrew my character molly's saxophone has this uh, 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 amazing ability which it plays a song of doom it takes two whole turns of concentration to cast it but on the third turn it just deals 80 necrotic damage with no save as long as they can still hear the music it's pretty epic actually like you know yes you have to take two full turns to um play the saxophone which means that your party is like um are you doing something right now and you're like yeah, yeah, yeah but you can't really reply because you're busy playing a saxophone um but it's it's pretty epic to be able to just deal 80 necrotic damage at the end of that so yeah um if you had an in real life alignment what would it be i think chaotic good it's kind of me like I have a very strong protection streak and tend to fight what is fair and equal I take on a lot I like to do it well but I get parking tickets all the time and I often forget things I'm usually a whirlwind of crazy impulsive action um, and trying to organize my life is uh, a standard state of being um, it makes me feel like crazy chaos to be around so yeah I think good intentions and absolute chaos <laughs> If you had to date one of your characters, which one would you pick? I think Sasha. You know, she's a red dragonblood sorcerer. She's like fiery and passionate personality. She's got good direction. She knows what she's doing. She's just like super sexy. I think she'd be a lot of impulsive fun. Yeah, I'd totally date her. And then I'd probably get sick of the craziness. Um, But <laughs> is there a character you want to play and haven't had a chance to play yet? We've never played a warlock with, like, a real patron problem. Like, someone who gave the warlock power but then is constantly bugging them all the time about it. Um, I think that could be quite fun, working with the DM on that, and I'd really love to do that one day. Like, an active patron of power. I think I think that'd be really fun. Um, we're up to 14, only two to go. Okay, so are you a dice goblin or a dice minimalist? I am a firm believer in the fact that you can never have enough dice. Like, don't stop buying them ever. Just keep buying them every time you see pretty shinies with new things in them. Why would you deny yourself the pleasure of owning that? But I say that as someone who just dropped $160 on some Rose Quartz gemstone dice. Um, yeah, I'm aware I have a problem. <laughs> But you know what? It's a pretty problem, and I love looking at them and playing them and rolling them, and I roll them all the time, and I play with them all the time. So, you know what? If it makes me happy, what's the harm? And what rule or mechanic have you never quite wrapped your brain around? I think, like, grapple. And not because I don't really understand it. I understand it. But it just feels either, like, a bit like nothing or a bit, too op depending on how it's played in certain situations and and how things are working and i don't know it 
I know what the rules say. I just feel like it doesn't cover every role play situation. So what you end up allowing or not allowing it to mean in a certain moment is very kind of situational and confusing. And I just don't really get it, I guess. Yeah, I get it intelligently, but I don't get it as in to do it. I think that's maybe just because, again, I, I I find, like, characters who have made to be grappling too linear. You know, like, that's what they do. They do that every time. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, every character does that. Even spellcasters. Just casting another spell. But I like having the options, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So that's D&D Tag. Um, I hope that was interesting and you learned something about me. Um, as I said... Uh, all of those people who sent me call-ins to talk about the things that bought, got brought up last ep- um, last episode, um, thank you for all of your call-ins. You're all amazing, and um, I will get to a bunch of them soon. Um, yeah, I do have a couple of call-ins to play that I will play next, but that's because they're based around Kiwi RPG Week, and um, you should hear them this week. Okay, I'll let them speak now. Bye! Hey, Jules, loved your hashtag Kiwi RPG Week show. I'll be talking about it in the show that I'm sh- trying to release today. So I'll try to get the word out as well. Lots of great things going on there. I'm very excited for you guys. It's great that you're able to pull together as a community to work for a common, excuse me, to work for a common goal there. So very cool. I look forward to seeing how it goes. I'll talk to you later. Yo, Jules, that was an awesome promo you cut for hashtag R- Kiwi RPG. I'll get it right. Hashtag Kiwi RPG. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I was I was shocked, shocked, I tell you, shocked to hear that you weren't on the Monster of the Week episode because you are far and away, without doubt or question, the most famous Kiwi podcast RPG person I know. It's no questions asked dude you're the number one star you should be on that show anyway i'm gonna go buy some kiwi rpg stuff because that paranormal wellington game sounded fun even though i can't find it on drive through right now um and the other game i do love me some post-apocalyptic sci-fi dude thunder of the barbarian peace out thanks lads Thanks, my gems. Um, that was Jason from um, Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and he did indeed put out an episode um, where he talked about Kiwi RPG Week, and I encourage you to go check that out. Uh, it is episode 343 called May Contest Announcement, um, which is amazing because you need to get over there and basically uh, go be part of the Nicolas Cage May Contest. Um, I'm not going to say any more about it, but it's awesome and you should get over there and uh, be in to win. Um, and then there is the uh, ever amazing Joey from Hindsight Liz, who is just such a big fan and support for me. I love that he thinks um, I'm genuinely a superstar over here in New Zealand, despite the fact that nobody's really ever heard of me. Um <laughs> 
But um, thanks, Joey. Um, no, the people that were playing uh, the Monster of the Week game that you can actually catch over on the um, Getting Dicey YouTube page because they have a video of that up now. Um, if you missed the live stream, you can get over there and um, watch that. They were amazing. It was incredible live stream. Um, it was the right people in the right crew, and they were just all doing the right things. Um, it's an amazing showcase of Monster of the Week, and I really encourage you to go check that out. All right, on to what I know that you're all here for. What's up next? That's right, ponies. It's coming. My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? My little pony, my little pony, friendship is magic. Hey ponies and welcome back to My Little Pony Tales of Equestria, a Dragon's Bounty adventure playthrough. The adventure playthrough is sort of like a pick a path. So if you haven't heard this before and this is your first time joining along, well, you're joining in the middle of the adventure. What are you doing? Go back, go back to the episode that's called Play Ponies With Me and start afresh. You can hear all the adventure pieces as we're going. Yes, you won't be able to vote, but if you listen quickly, you'll be in to vote for the next one. What we're about to hear is uh, the latest round of votes for the action. Um, and what you're about to hear is a little bit of confusion because, let's face it, Jules being Jules went off on a ramble tangent and said something confusing like, if one passes, they all pass. And then I followed that with a weird statement with, if one fails, they all fail, which confused the crap out of everybody, frankly, because that's actually not what the rules are. The rules are, in the rules of teamwork and the spirit of teamwork, if one of them passes, they all pass. Finished there. No more words, Julia. Don't know what she was doing. So um, I've had chats with everybody. Um, some people are like, crap, I should send you in another message. And then they haven't. So we're just going with my interpretation of what their confusion kind of led to. I'll let you know um, at the end with how the votes kind of all tallied out and what I thought um, would be the best way to go ahead with this. But to set the scene for you and to, for you to know what they're voting on, um, just to remind you of what was happening, you were rushed by a cragodile, a crazy, scaly, long beast with a lot of teeth who ran at you and as it ran past you and slid to a stop you notice something long and painful looking sticking out of its rear right leg uh, and maybe that's why the beast is so cranky and you tried you tried as a team strong oak thrilly filly firebrand they all gave it a go um to try and yank this this shard of stone sticking out and they just couldn't do it. Why? Because the Cragodile uh, had rolled a 12 in its body challenge and they're just, you know, the, the, the ponies, they're level zero. They're just not rolling that high to be able to take that on. So we were faced with a few challenges here, a few choices here. Do we let the rolls stay and just stay and see what happens um, and not do any adding anything on? Do we um, pay two friendship tokens for Strong Oak 
um, or one of them to be able to roll a D20 instead of the dice that they were rolling um, and see if they the, the, the randomness, the chaos would get them over 12. Does uh, Strong Oak use his feature, his ability, his once per game ability called Stout Heart, where he can add a D6 to his role in order to be able to pass. And he's sitting on an eight, um, so he'd be able to roll a D6. So he'd need to roll a four, a five, or a six to beat the um to beat the number 12. So it's possible, right? Or do they spend three friendship tokens for an automatic success because working together as a team and bundling their tokens together and the spirit of the magic of friendship manages um, to help them pull this shard from the Isles rear leg. So there was a lot going on this week. It was a really difficult one, probably why there's a little bit of confusion going on. So without any further ado, I'm going to let you hear the vote. So ponies, what did you have to say? Hey Jules, it's BJ. A um, couple things. One, the, the most important thing on the ponies, I, I feel like I'm like on polar opposites. I, th- I think you should e- probably either do nothing and just see what plays out or spend all three of those points and take the automatic success. Actually, I'm leaning t- more towards that. So I would say take the automatic success. But if we're going to do any kind of ranked choice vote- voting on this, barring spending the points and taking the automatic success, I would just do nothing and see what happens. Uh, those other two kind of mi- mid- mid-range options of, of, of fooling around with, with die rolls didn't really... That seems like it just could, you know, blow up in your face versus just just go for the sure thing or just wait and see what happens next. Uh, but I think go for the sure thing. That That's my opinion. Also, uh, yeah, cool, man. If, if time could work out, I wouldn't mind sitting in that group with the, the, that session, that final nerd session. So what you're saying is you need six nerds to play six nerds in a nerd game about doing nerdy things. Okay. <laughs> no, I'd love to sit in that. And I know we're half a world apart. So the, you know, the timing may not work out, but if it does, you know, put me on the short list. Um, that sounds like it would be a lot of fun to, to do that with you and, and Joe and some other people. Um, and then I know you, you kind of, you alluded to the audio dungeon discord. I, I get what you're coming from. I understand. I feel you there. So, all right. Enjoying the episode. Take care of yourself. Talk to you later. Hey Jules, Pink Phantom here, calling about the latest Tales of Equestria question. Um, I'm a little confused. You said that if one fails, they all fail, but then you also said if one succeeds, they all succeed. Uh, if one fails and they all fail, then I think the only thing we can do to pass this challenge is use three friendship tokens. Because that would be the only way to pass the challenge, since none of them pass the challenge on their own. But if one succeeds... And, that, and they all succeed, then it's 50-50 using the stout heart for Strong Oak. So if everybody else wanted to go with that, I, I could, I'd take a 50-50 chance. But I think the only way to pass, if, if it's one fails, they all fail, is we would have to use the three friendship tokens. So that's what I'm going to say if that's the case. I think we should roll the stout heart. That's what Strong Oak is about to try to get in the way um, and be 
strong. It's fine to use as meta currency now if that's what we need to do. I'm fine with that. I hope the others are. Um, I suspect that some people will say, oh, just let the rolls go. But I mean, if you have the meta currency, why not use it? That's what it's there for. I think the other meta currencies we can maybe save, especially like the automatic success might be needed later on. Um, so anyway, I think uh, Strong Oak will reach deep inside and use his strong heart to try to grab that thing from the crocodile. Hey, Jules, it's Paul here. Uh, first time calling in, but I've been following the adventure. While I believe in the power of these horses, I've seen the picture of the crocodile, and I'm just going to have to vote for the friendship tokens because friendship is magic. Thank you. Hey, Jules. Be I, maybe I don't understand the rules. I, I, I know you said if one passes, we pass, and somebody fails, we all fail. So do we? So would we succeed? And will we effectively like take damage but still succeed? Is that the idea? If, if strong heart passes or stout heart passes um i don't know i don't trust my rolling ability i usually roll horribly so i i say we should spend three tokens i think we should th spend three tokens i think it's important to make a friend with this thing and yeah that that's my but and maybe i should go back and re-listen and then i'd understand what you said earlier about passing and failing but i'm, I'm gonna stick with spending three tokens because i know i can't roll for you know for doo-doo so Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for your show. And thanks for being you. Talk to you soon. Okay, so I had to go back and re-listen to the rules for how friendship tokens work and how many we had. And here are my initial thoughts at 3.58 in the morning where I am. <laughs> so I think Strong Oak should use their ability to get a D6 because then they'll have a 50-50 chance of succeeding. They can roll four or five or six. And from the way your words sounded in my mind when you said them, I feel like the farther we are away from 12, the worse off things will be. So I think that thrilly frilly and firebrand should each spend a friendship token so they can each roll a d20 and that'll get them hopefully much closer to 12 if not 12 or over anyway those are my early early morning thoughts peace out go ponies good luck ponies everybody bye yo jules so calling in my pony vote this is actually a redo to make what i meant to say more clear so what I would like to do is for Strongheart to spend his ability, um, that special ability that I can't think of the name right now, but just Strong, Ar Strong Oak use that ability, and the rest of the ponies hope that he succeeds. Yeah, and I I realize that that might put the other ponies in danger because they're going to take some damage. But as long as we get past, I don't know. I, I, we got to pull that thorn out. So how did our ponies tally after that? Because, yes, there was a bit of confusion. So let's, let's get the official tally in. BJ was three tokens. Pink Phantom was either three tokens or Stout Heart. Wasn't bothered. Would go with majority. Jason was firmly in the three tokens camp. Carl was in the stout heart camp 
as was Joey in the Stout Heart camp. And then Paul came in at the end and cinched it for the three-token crowd. That is four to three. Three tokens are being spent. Let's see what happens. The Cragadile turns towards Strong Oak and Thrilly Philly and Firebrand once more, his jaws gnashing, roaring. Is it pain? Is it anger? It's unclear. And in the face of so much danger, Strong Oak, Thrilly Philly and Firebrand nod at each other, put their hooves together in the middle, connecting in a light of purple and pink and multicolour friendship. And as they emerge from this bright light, Strong Oak charges at the Cragadile, empowered with his friends just behind him and just feeling the strength of these friendship magic tokens is able to rip the shard from the side of the Cragadale, succeeding in pulling it from his side. A great heave and tossing it on the floor. The Cragadale lets out a large from a Cragadale's mouth and he backs away with his snout pointed at the ground. It looks at the shard now on the ground to its leg which is now free of this painful stony thorn. When it looks at you, it opens its jaws wide and you panic for a second. But after a moment, the Cragadile closes its mouth again, turns around and with a loud stomping, crawls through a small opening in the wall, which you proceed leads to its home. With the Cragadile gone, you're left all alone in the hot springs here. and sighing down into its hot water, its hot, steamy, relaxing water. Oh, it feels so good on sore muscles and sore bones. And indeed, had you failed, you would have taken much damage from the Cragadile's teeth. But, oh, you're still feeling a a little wary. You've taken stamina hits before. But as you rest in these hot springs, standing here and feeling the warmth soak your bones, you recover all lost stamina points. Huzzah! So the Strong Oak is back on 12. Um, Thrilly Philly is back on 10. And Firebrand, well, you were on 10 and you're still on 10. (laughs) But how wonderful. All lost stamina points are back. All because we helped a friend. We pulled the thorn out of the Cragadile's side. So in addition to the opening that leads back to the main crater and the Cragadile's cave, which you have no intention of visiting because why would you go poke the bear again or the Cragadile for that matter, there is another exit from the hot springs. It is a tunnel that leads down below with glass-like crystals lining the entrance and you decide to explore it. So we're turning to section 78. Okay. All right. 78. That must be near the back of the book. Where are we going? Okay, 78. Oh, ooh. Okay, we have entered area six, um, the Hall of Glass. So now we need to determine if our dragon is here too. You'll remember that every time we move into a different section, we need to make sure that the dragon isn't also there. Otherwise, all sorts of things are going to go down. Okay, so rolling on my secret chart. No, the dragon is not there. You have cleverly avoided him again. Um, wonderful. Okay. So, 
Something about the strange glassy crystals around the tunnel entrance catches your eye and so you decide to investigate. Steam from the hot spring is building up again and starts to pour into the tunnel entrance, though it's not so much to obscure your vision. The glassy crystals reflect light in a strange way, giving them an ever-changing colour, but most often they are dark. They become even darker as you descend into this tunnel. You move carefully as there is little light reaching into the tunnel, following the winding path for a short while until you see an orange glow coming from ahead. You begin to feel hot, as if you're walking into an oven. The tunnel opens up into a wide open chamber. The walls are completely covered in the same glassy crystals that you saw above, but here the walls and ceiling and floor is solid black glass. Obsidian. It gives the room an airy but beautiful quality. You notice that the orange glow is coming from a pit at the far end of the chamber. As you approach, the heat becomes almost unbearable and you hear a bubbling sound from below. Sure enough, when you look into that pit, there is a pool of molten rock. The magma seems to be bubbling up from somewhere below. This must be an old volcano after all. You pull back to get away from the heat. Across the pit runs a narrow obsidian bridge. You see a column at the end of the bridge, standing in the center of the pit, and it looks like there's some kind of altar or pedestal atop it. On the pedestal is a small dark object, but with the heat blasting up from below, it's hard to get a clear look at it. To get closer, you have to cross the bridge. Okay, so it asks us if we have a few things, like if we have purchased the heat guards from the market um, that would protect us and make it easier and make it a body test difficulty too. But because we do not have our heat guards, it is a body test difficulty of four. We also don't have a kindling companion that it talks about right now. So, hmm, we must be not on the right path to meet that person. So, um, hmm, okay. So, we have to take a body test without any kind of help. Um, although it does say if you are a unicorn with the telekinesis talent, and I'm looking at you, Firebrand, you may roll your telekinesis talent die as well as your mind trait on this test and take the higher result, as you can try and levitate the object towards you instead of having to cross the bridge to get to it, which is pretty clever there, Firebrand. Well done, you, with your telekinesis. Okay, so we're going to have to do some rolls and uh, see how we get on. This is a long one. Okay, so... It's another body test. It's only difficulty four. Um, so let's roll up our strong oak first because we know that strong oak has a body of a D8. So this should be pretty easy, although I don't want to curse him. Touch wood, touch wood, touch wood. Sorry, strong oak. I don't want to do that to you. Okay, strong oak rolling. <laughs> and I did almost curse him there. Okay, so strong oak gets a four for the body test. Um, nice. Just passing, but importantly, passing. So that is good. Okay. So body test for Thrilly Philly. Thrilly Philly is a D6. So let's roll up 
Oh, Thrilly Philly, getting a six on the body test. Nice. Okay. And then Firebrand is able to roll their body of a D4, but also roll the D6 for telekinesis and take the higher. So it's kind of like rolling with advantage, but not really. <laughs> um, oh, no, Firebrand. Oh, no, it's okay. Okay, it's fine. Uh, there was a one on the D6, but there was a four on the D4. I thought that that was going to be a terrible fail, but... Nope. Um, somehow uh, their body convinces their mind to do telekinesis. <laughs> um, yeah, you can try and levitate it towards you. Maybe what happens is it's the telekinesis isn't going so well and so you have to step partially onto the bridge. Um, so you've partially levitated it towards you, but you've partially crossed the bridge. Okay, but we have succeeded, so this is good. All right, so it says... We want to go to section 12. This is a long one. Long one. Okay. Um, all right. You successfully retrieve the item from the pedestal, being careful of the magma pit below. On closer inspection, it appears to be a cup or a goblet, to be precise, carved or blown perfectly out of glass. And around the goblet are the words etched into the black glass. They say, a spark to open the way. Thinking it might be important, you decide to take the goblet with you for now and try and figure out what the words mean. You make a mental note to return it later. Okay, so we can add the obsidian goblet to our inventory. It is time to explore somewhere else. We head into tunnels that head out of the hall of glass and we have to turn to section 55 oh my goodness we're still going team ponies we're still going okay so oh okay i remember this one um i remember reading about this uh somewhere else on reviews so <laughs> okay here we go you are in the twisting tunnels perhaps you could find a map under something a twisting tunnel network leads further into the rock. To the north of you, the tunnel becomes encrusted with glassy crystals. This way is the exit to the Hall of Glass, obviously, because we've just been there, right? The tunnel continues to the south. If you go north into the Hall of Glass, we turn to a section. If you go south, then we turn to section three. So I'm going to stop here, not because that's a difficult choice, but because I'm going to post something on the Patreon because I want to refer to said point, you are in the twisting tunnels, perhaps you could find a map under something. So this is all that the book says about this. I'm... When it when this book comes, um, it comes packaged a certain way. And what I'm going to do, my ponies, is get you to send in, uh, go to the Patreon and have a look at the um, the way the packaging comes and the what, what's in the box and stuff and see if you can figure out what it means to see if we can find a map to our twisting tunnels. All right, ponies, can't wait to hear what you think. See you back here soon. Bye.
All right. Thanks to my gems. Thanks to my ponies. Thanks to you for listening. Um, it's time to get out of here. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for dropping by. If you've come because of Kiwi RPG Week and you came to check it out, I hope you enjoyed what you found here today. Um, if you are a usual Jules listener, thank you again for coming back. Um, I look forward to hearing from you about our latest ponies episode. Um, and a big, big personal thanks to my gems who I could literally not do this without. So thanks to James, Jason, Barry, Laren, Ezekiel, KP, and Joey, and Dusty. Um, and if you'd like to become a Jules from NZ gem, you can visit on Patreon. Uh, find me there and uh, sign up for one of the tiers. Your money goes towards helping me make this show um, and helping me make it better and um, buying more gear to talk about, basically. <laughs> Um, if you're enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, also please consider giving the show a review on the platform of your choice. It all helps or tell a friend or listen to it in the car and make them listen to it. It works too. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jules Bergeser and pretty much everywhere else in the internet as Jules from NZ. That's, you know, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all of the good places. So let me get gone. Enohora. Kakite ano. Aroha nui. Goodbye. I'll see you again soon and I love you loads. Noho oramai. Stay well. Look after yourself. Because it's a tough world out there. <laughs> so be good to yourself. Mwah. Goodbye. Bye. See you next time. Oops. I nearly forgot. One more thing. I'm going to be on a live stream uh, here in NZ. Well sort of on the internet um obviously um and uh it's for the yes and charity stream the yes and charity stream the 24-hour charity live stream is coming back again this year uh laid the groundwork last year for another amazing show we've just announced our roster of dms and players to the dms and players um and that will start being announced publicly soon um so we had a, a lot of very excited dms and players all just hyping in the um discord chat the other day because they uh, found out they made the cut, basically. So um, it's a really, really special event where we raised a load of money last year and we're hoping to top it again this year. But it's not the full event this week. What we're doing is a teaser event. It's a special one-off event, basically just to say, hi, this is who we are. This is the type of thing that you can expect during the charity stream, and here's why you should check us out and follow us um, and for the future proper stream. So we're doing a little wee taster. Uh, yes and Charity Stream presents Cult of Kavine. Um, So I'll be... Uh, in that stream, uh, playing a brand new character. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be New Zealand 2 p.m. on Saturday the 7th. Uh, that's London 3 a.m. and New York Friday 10 p.m. Um, so if you want to check that out, um, please do uh, go check out their Facebook page, like and subscribe and do all of the things because it's just such a great event and it's for such a great reason. We're going to be raising money for um, Cancer Society and I'm really excited about it. So, okay. Now that's the last thing. I really am going to get out of here now. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.